0: everybody, welcome to another episode of the Together for Equality podcast, a podcast created to provide insights and sharing ideas on how to build a more inclusive and equal society, be better professionals, and build, build greater organizations. My name is Diana, and I'm a first year master's student, and I'll be leading this episode together with our wonderful guests. In today's episode, we will talk about mental health, uh, and to share some ideas on this topic, I am really excited to introduce to you Andrea Pint, who is the Hi. current Equality in Business President, and Marina Freyr, who is also a member of our club. So welcome, and thank you for being here today. Thank you
1: for having us. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having us,
0: Diana. Um, as you already know, uh, at the end of each podcast episode, our guest asks a question related to equality to our next guest. Uh, our last episode was a different one, and we didn't follow our ritual, uh, but in the previous episode, we spoke with Elena Batista about fetophobia in the workplace, and the question uh, Elena left for you was, nowadays, uh, what can men still do to contradict the gender stereotypes? Who wants to start?
1: I think, uh, like, an important step might be to question toxic masculinity behaviors. Like, small things, you know, you don't have to go and dismantle a whole, like, Patriarchy, but um, for example, like thinking, why shouldn't men wear makeup? Like, why shouldn't men like paint their nails? You know, small things like that that can like slowly change your attitude towards just like why is it so important to have these like differences between men and women and what even like what what cause are they serving?
2: So, yeah, yeah, I would agree with Marina. I think the the whole point is to address toxic masculinity um, and especially allowing men to just be themselves and express themselves however they want Um, I don't think patriarchy benefits anyone including the men so just let them express themselves be it externally internally um, be it about their feelings, their appearance whatever they feel like
0: Yeah, I agree, I agree Um, Moving on to today's topic, uh, mental health can be defined as an effective functioning in daily activities that result in productive activities such as work, school, caregiving, healthy relationships and ability to adapt to change and cope with adversity. On the other hand, uh, mental illness brings together mental disorders that involve significant changes in behavior, feelings or thoughts, and problems functioning in social work or family activities. Uh, Even though mental illness is a health condition like diabetes, (laughs) let's put it like that, people diagnosed with mental illness are oftentimes stigmatized, and there's a resistance of society in general to see a therapist. Why do you think this happens, and what do you think are the main issues stopping people from seeing a therapist?
2: Um, So, I think it's important to talk about the three types of stigma that exist. So, you have like the social stigma, which is caused by the people that you socialize with. So, your parents, your friends, your family, your co-workers, um, your colleagues, whatever. All those people that you are uh, with daily, on a daily basis. They can uh, stigmatize anything that you feel or anything that they feel. um, And therefore, that causes you to also doubt that. Um, Then you have the self-stigma, which is something that it's, it's much more deep. Because it's something that you believe about yourself. So you have a stigma against your own feelings and against anything that you might feel that is... Considered under the spectrum of mental illness, um, and then finally you have the institutional stigma, which is, uh, well, as the name says, from institutions. So, from, for example, from hospitals and doctors that do not accept psychiatric or psychological um, illness, and I think all of that group together contributes to a bigger stigma and causes people to be afraid to go to a therapist or to go to a psychiatric um, doctor and ask for help. I would argue
1: maybe that the self-stigma might arise from the institutional and like social ones because I, I don't know like it's impossible to test this but if you were to grow up in a world like isolated from these prejudices if you were actually to also develop these notions about yourself you know like kind of downplay your own issues or your own worries yeah. So.
0: Uh, and that I grows the self-stigma in you. Exactly. I mean.
1: Exactly. So I think they're like
2: deeply interwoven as well. Yeah. But I, again, like we we learn everything from yes. the people and the institutions that we are subject to. So of course, the self-stigma is something that is taught to us.
1: Yeah. And that can be like in multiple forms. I don't know. I feel like the big stereotype was that people who suffer from mental illnesses are crazy. Like that's a yeah. big word that's kind of like a, a no-go when you're actually informed you know Um, and so thinking that way obviously leads to you questioning do I actually want to go to a therapist do I want to be seen as the crazy person or, or the hysteric person or the person who's like deeply troubled or something when oftentimes you don't have to have this obviously like it's also beneficial if you have gone through trauma but even if you haven't if you just want to like find ways to have healthier relationships like you were talking about going to a therapist is a perfectly like viable option
2: yeah Yeah, we need to consider that mental health illnesses include both psychological and neurological conditions, Um, and it's usually everything messed up together, but they are quite different, they have different symptoms, um, and they need to be treated differently, so if we are considering purely psychological illnesses, as usually people think about when thinking about mental health. Um, people just think that um, those suffering with psychological diseases are weak or over dramatic, as Marina was referring. Um, and that is so untrue, but it's pretty much the cause that leads them to, no, I do not have a mental health illness, I, I'm not really yeah. at all.
0: Have you ever felt uh, such fear of what people might think of you? or did you see that in your people around you in family and friends that were struggling that needed a therapist but due to stigma did not want it and you you spotted that
1: yeah i actually have i think um like stigma is definitely like, one of the big causes of them not seeking professional help um you know it's like we were talking about prejudices and stuff like that but a big argument that i see like hear from my friends and stuff nowadays is also financial like problems because while there are um, free, like ways to get help, um, if you if you're really dedicated to it, it will have a cost, um, and so it's not something that people are willing to do sometimes because either they themselves don't have like an income and they would have to ask their parents, and they're not comfortable about that, no. or they have some.
0: And parents might not even care exactly, that much. Exactly, they
1: might have some some fear of like repercussions and stuff like that, uh, or or they just it's not their priority, right? Like if you're living on an income to income basis, uh, you're going to be worrying about food, about like having a roof, um,
2: and so mental health, unfortunately, will not be the thing that you invest in the most. Yeah, I totally agree with you, and I have a, a very personal experience with that. So I personally never felt the fear of being judged, and uh, honestly, if I cannot go to something because I have therapy, I will say to you, no, I have a therapy session at that time, I cannot go. Um, And I think it's because my mom specifically always told me, if you need therapy, just talk to me Mm -hmm. and I'll make the the, the ends meet, because it's a very important part in our lives, even though sometimes we struggle financially it's something that she always made sure um that i had access to that's great yeah Yeah. Yeah. but for example with my boyfriend um he was actually diagnosed um, when he was only eight years old his uh, psychiatrist wanted him to take some medicine and his mom was always against it. So he always developed a fear of um, expressing what he's feeling and getting help because his mom always dismissed that and said that it was a waste of money. And also we need to consider the fact that it is expensive. Um, nowadays, a psychological uh, therapy session uh, in Portugal is between mm-hmm. Thirty and seventy euros, yeah. and getting thirty euros per session is if you're lucky or if you have some type of health insurance. Usually, if you go to a, a psychiatric uh, appointments, then it starts in usually seventy five euros. I, I would just like above. to add
1: quickly, like it is possible. I am right now, like I'm, uh, I have like consultation therapy and psychiatric, uh, and it's for free, but um, it's under like specific conditions. And so, okay. for example, like in my case, it was appointed by the court that I like needed immediate like urgent help, and so that's why like I'm able to have it for free. Thankfully, like, I'm very grateful for that. Uh, just you know, like it's it's not for every case, um, unfortunately, but it is possible. And if you look into it, it might be
2: applicable mm-hmm. like to your okay. case to get it for free. But, but usually, they, it, it implies you know, like court action yeah, or yeah. state action. Usually, the 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 help that you can get for free is more of support groups or similar um, communities um, that you can access and communicate with. I'm sorry again, just on that, <laughs> that note, I so before I forget, um,
1: there is like um, an app that's been developed like recently. It's not super heard of yet, but I think it's called 29K for 29,000, as in, like, on average, we have around 29,000 days in our lives. Um, and it's a, it's like you were saying, it's like a, a community of sorts. It's an app to to engage with other people who might be doing the same thing to try and not professional like as a therapist help, but help that can go like just guide you towards a, a
2: healthier path and stuff like that. Yeah, there are a, a plenty of apps uh, related yeah. to mental health. Um, the one that I know the most is Seven Cups, mm. um, and it's it's a very good app because. In the beginning, it asks you what you struggle with the most. Okay. So it presents you with forums and groups and communities that struggle with identical issues, um, and not necessarily only, not necessarily like general mental health or only specific issues that you don't relate with. It uh, it's a bit personalizable, uh, but as Marina said, it never substitutes professional health that's the goal is therapy
0: and uh, sometimes there i have some friends that visited the psychologist and they had a terrible experience so they are not looking for it more so i think also
1: yeah i also like sometimes i'm not looking forward to my appointments because um what you have to keep in mind is that like the person on the other hand is also just human so if for example they're going through a rough day unconsciously might reflect onto your appointment and it might be like an unpleasurable experience for you because it's already hard to like get yourself out there and talk about those things sometimes and it, it can sometimes bring your mood down if you're having like a normal day and then you have to actively engage in things that hurt you or stuff like that uh, so I've I've also struggled with that not feeling like motivated mm. to go to my appointments and stuff but at the end of the day I just think like okay I'll just, I'll just go and I'll see what happens because sometimes I end up leaving out of there super happy, super relieved you know like just feeling a lot lighter and some other day yeah. like i'm a little unlucky and it just doesn't turn out as i had hoped but again like it, they're also just a person trying their best and therapy has so many nuances to it like learning psychology and like how the mind works and how to help has like it, it can go in so many different ways like it's hard to have a one problem like on one solution fixes all
0: Yeah, this this my question goes like I don't I think we don't need an answer. But do you think everybody could use therapy?
2: I guess (laughs) so. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Um, So so I was lucky enough to um, like my first psychologist, but then she went on a maternity leave, and I actually got another therapist, and I didn't like them at all, and I did feel the same as Marina. Um, But I don't think that having a bad experience with a specific therapies should be um, a reason for you to stop looking for help Mm -hmm. um i have a friend that went to seven different therapies and he didn't like any of them and he's still looking for help Um, he still asks me for resources and that's really uh, what we want it's to not give up it's fine if you need help uh, but don't give up just because you had better experience and I also think that even if you don't have a specific mental health issue you can benefit from a psychologist you can benefit from learning how to better impose your boundaries and mm-hmm. um, how to develop healthier relationships or even just to get to know yourself and develop yourself yeah. and to be the best you can be Absolutely.
0: And, and be aware of the, what you're yeah. feeling yeah exactly.
1: it opens up a really like whole new world and uh, a new point of view for you as well and like therapy I feel like it helps you navigate that new world you know new world of like your feelings things that you didn't even know you could express before like you said boundaries really important or just communicating with other people in a way that respects them as well and your own needs and things like that you know that Again, you don't have to go through traumatic experiences to seek therapy because just wanting to improve in those areas is already really yeah. enough
0: to go. Sure. Um, when we are struggling with something in our lives, we seek for support in our loved ones, and that's normal. In it's life. Uh, but when we are talking about mental illness, f- uh, family and friend support is not enough. Uh, but the line separating these two types of events can be too thin from your perspective what are the signs someone should be alert that family and friends support is not enough
2: well the main one is self-harm yes if the person um, engages in any type of self-harm be it physical or mental because you can have mental self-harm such as self-sabotaging your relationships or your own work um, then it's clear that the support of family and friends is not enough, and you should seek for professional help. Um, also, if it's a recurring problem, so if you struggle with very difficult di- uh, situations in a very um, daily life, um, it's also an indication that your family and your friends are not enough because they can get overwhelmed with helping you deal with so many difficult situations. And as we said before, you don't have to go to a therapist uh, to a therapist simply because you have a mental health illness. You can go to a therapist because you are dealing with some difficult stuff or you want to improve yourself, you want to communicate better. Um so it's better to be safe than sorry in these cases. And if anything feels more than the usual patterns of behavior of that person then you should not force them because you can never force someone but hint that they might need some more help besides family yeah. and friends yeah.
1: I think oftentimes also um, friends can be especially helpful because if you grow up in an environment where the household itself is also very toxic, it's hard for the parents to recognize any disturbances and behavior of their children or loved ones or anything. So an outsider perspective, you know, like can can be very insightful in those cases. Um, and also, I just wanted to add, like, saying that help with family and friends is not enough doesn't mean that they fail somehow. Like, it doesn't mean that of they, they didn't yeah. try or that, like, they're, I don't know, that they're not helpful. It just means that they're not professionals, that's all I need, you know? And how you wouldn't also try and cure cancer, or you hopefully shouldn't be trying to cure cancer at home. Um, <laughs> you also shouldn't be trying to deal with these very heavy topics somehow um sometimes by yourself or, or just in the company of people that love you but are not professionals. Um, and I also like sometimes the best person that can tell you if something's wrong is yourself. I know for myself like I have some when things start getting like really heavy, I have certain thoughts that just like pop up, and I'm not talking about like self harm. I'm talking like I have this very specific intrusive thing. Thoughts. Yeah, intrusive thoughts. Very like I, I can recognize now. Um, if I'm, for example, like going to dinner and I've gone through like a really tough month, and I'm putting the table, and then I'm holding the plates, and I just feel like dropping them. I just want to like drop them and see them like crash on the ground. That's like a telltale sign for me that. I'm, I'm like not doing well right now and I should try and see how I can like get that like improved um, and so sometimes just recognizing yourself like why am I feeling for example so overwhelmed lately why did I don't know me dropping my pencil case make me cry so much you know like it doesn't mean you're weak or anything it can just mean that you're going through a lot and it's a sign for yourself that okay this this is too much for me now I need extra help
2: I love the example of dropping your pen and crying about it because yeah. I feel like it's the root of all the stigma about mental health that people are over dramatic. No, it's not that you are over dramatic. Yes. It's yeah. that you have so many little Small conflicts yeah. that it bottles up because usually people suffering from mental health illnesses cannot um, cope with it um, in a healthy way. In a healthy true. way, in in appropriate way. And so it just bottles up. Until you reach your point and then you drop your pen and they're just like, why is the world against yeah, me? Yeah, exactly. You drop your pen and you feel like, why, why can't I even like hold my
1: pen? Right? Exactly. And, it, and it's absolutely not that, right? Like It can happen to anyone. It's it's just like an example, but sometimes I also feel like, like, I can tell myself when it's a really busy day or something and I just feel like my cup filling up, right? Like it's really, really filling up and at the end of the day or even like at the middle of the day, Something small happens, I'm like, okay, this was it. Now my cup is absolutely full. I I can't deal with anything anymore. I need to just go home and do whatever I do to unwind. Be it like watch a movie um, or sleep. Sleep is sometimes so good. It's like a restart button. Um, Or talk to a friend about it. That power in the (laughs) the middle of a breakdown. It does wonders. It really does. And it's also like... It's a healthy way to deal with things, especially considering all the other al- alternatives, right? Like, um, if you're awake sometimes, like, overthinking becomes a problem then as well. Or, or just very intrusive thoughts and things like that. So, finding a way to kind of shut those things down. I've also seen a lot of people that do um, very, like, cold baths or submerging your face okay. in
2: really cold water. Just to kind of, like, snap you back to reality. I know of holding you know, ice Yes, until like your uh, hand becomes numb. Because it brings you back to reality. Sometimes you just need something that brings you back to reality without actually causing harm. And holding ice or putting your face in a very cold water doesn't cause you any harm. harm. But it's a very shocking shocking reaction to the body. So the body is like, okay, you are here. Mm -hmm. And I would also like to catch on that intrusive thoughts idea because sometimes people do not realize how harmful intrusive thoughts can be Um, and the example that Marina gave is the most common one just dropping a plate and seeing it break because you just want to see something else break that not you but sometimes those intrusive thoughts, especially if you have a suicidal history um, or tendencies or if you have depression on your background um, it can be for example this is something that already happened to me seeing the trend come the trend that I'm going to catch and I just think what would happen if I just jumped no, no. Um, and it's not that I'm going to do it or I intend to do it it's not that I intend to kill myself but it's just an intrusive thought it's just what, uh, what if what if I did this and then
1: the problem is that, you know, having it once won't affect you or, like, normally wouldn't affect you. But if you have these reoccurring thoughts, imagine having to every day when you take the train to go to university, for example, having the same thought over and over again, it can really, like, like you know, push you towards the edge. And that's also, again, why therapy is so important, you know, to kind of break that cycle to not to completely get rid of intrusive thoughts. I'm, I'm not sure if that's, like, healthy or possible oh, yeah. exactly. But just to control them in a way, you know, like to, to be able to navigate that world without feeling so overwhelmed, I would, or feel so like pushed to the edge. So,
0: yeah. Okay. Uh, the OK Movement was founded in 2018 and its mission is to break the stigma around mental illness uh, by connecting young people struggling with similar problems through a platform where users can express their feelings and share their coping strategies. Do you think this type of initiatives should also be addressed at university or earlier in schools, like s- proper schools and university have this type of uh, platform?
1: Um, I think like the clear-cut answer is, I mean, for me at least, yes. Like this, this should be something addressed. I'm not sure up to what extent because um, it can also like be harmful if you like tell kids say like. Eight or nine, that hey, like some of you will be thinking of suicide one day, so just like this is how to prevent you know, like it can have yeah. an impact if you're too young and you're not ready to understand all the complexities of mental health. Um, but it should be something that's like introduced into lives because it is an important aspect of our
2: life and it's oftentimes just like o- overseen basically. Yeah, I think the the OK movement is uh, a very specific movement and the intent, besides it should be taught in schools and universities, but movements uh, such as the OK movement, and by the way, for the listeners that do not know what the OK movement is, it's pretty much that sentence that you have already uh, heard of, it's OK not to be OK. Um, and I think these movements shouldn't exactly be taught because these movements are usually directly to the communities mm-hmm. that already suffer and need a better support net um, or need some emergency resources. And these movements help them raise awareness um, to create better support nets. It raises the, It helps them making new friends um, healing. And, and, and healing, basically. Yes. Um, so, I don't think those specific movements um, are needed in schools and universities. Um, but I do think that mental health needs to be approached and needs to be taught, um, especially mechanisms or spaces like safe spaces to express that you are feeling that you're doing well. and you need some time to do a task. Or to deliver a work, um, if the professors and the teachers give that space and teach the students some mechanisms, or even the teachers themselves give examples or talk to their students uh, as openly as they want, it's already a very good step in the right way. Yeah. And taking this just like experimental
1: thought a step further. Um, I was thinking because uh, right now like I'm in a relationship and my boyfriend like he's one of the healthiest person that I have like in my life and I've ever encountered really and I never really knew that you could have like such open like healthy mature dialogues about your feelings and like maybe how you, they hurt you and how you hurt them um, in a safe way you know and it doesn't replace a therapist but it accompanies it, you know? And um, I feel like if people are taught from an early age how to communicate this more properly and in a healthy way and, like you said, find mechanisms that can help them deal with stuff, uh, it will definitely decrease the, um, the current pressure that we have exactly. on the therapy like, right. system and, and everything like that. And because our peers will be able to perform a similar function, again, not the same, but like an auxiliary function so that's I don't know I feel it's, <laughs> it's a big like step yes. but
2: it would be very nice to live in a world like that but then you also have like school the therapists and stuff like those and that's a really good resource that usually people do
0: not yeah. actually
2: explore because those therapists are usually overwhelmed themselves yeah
0: yeah I'm, from my experience I never uh, looked at a therapist in a school and the, the touch I had was not that al- helpful as well because at some point you have sessions just to help you decide what you want to do in your future and it's yes. <laughs> I
1: feel like it also circles back to the first question about stigma because like I, I was advised by some teachers to like go see the, the school's therapist and I was like a bit afraid you know I didn't want to be like that one kid that was spending her breaks talking to an adult about like mental issues when my other like friends and stuff were out, and just doing fun things, right? Um, and so it's it's really like a, a complex network of all these little things that you know. It's the stigma. It's it's sometimes the financial problem that schools
2: can't can't finance a therapist yeah. or my, a competent one, right? My old school it um, was huge. It included. Fifth to twelfth grade, including night courses and yeah. professional courses, and the whole school had two
0: therapists. Yeah, it's it's the it same problem.
2: Thousands of kids.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's impossible to to yeah. provide the <laughs> proper service, right?
1: And then each person that goes to seek like help also doesn't get a very a complete the, help, you know, because how could they? Uh, Their business is overwhelmed, they can't possibly focus as well as they should.
0: Okay, Uh, talking about mental health at work is also crucial, since people spend a lot of time of their lives at work, and if a person is not happy or fulfilled at what they do, that can frustrate and have a direct impact on other sides of your life. That can be relationships with family and friends, or the relationship you have with yourself. Jeremy Godwin, uh, it's a well-known coach, he has a, a really nice podcast, gives some tips on how to manage work, uh, life balance for a better mental health. Some of them being leaving work at work uh, and maintaining clear boundaries. Define yourself by more than just your job title and know how to manage and plan your time. This is clear and more on the employer side, but my question, and since we are a, a Equality in Business club, uh, is if companies' actions on mental health are enough or appropriate.
2: So, I think it is important to differentiate that there are two types of people seeking for mental health resources. The ones that just want to keep themselves sane, but are in a general way, already healthy, and the ones that do suffer with mental health illnesses. And it's important to separate how the workplace sees both of them. Because nowadays, indeed, there is is an increase in mental health resources, but I do believe they are more directed to the ones that just want to keep themselves safe. Because keeping a balance of work-life, defining boundaries, and all of that is definitely very important for everyone, but it's not enough for the ones that suffer with mental health illnesses and companies fail on providing those extra resources for the ones that suffer with it. Um, I do feel that that if they want to accommodate the ones that suffer with mental health illnesses, they need to really provide accommodations such as they would do with a disabled person And I really think it's a good idea to have in every company some type of therapist or coach or counselor for the teams. So not only to have individual therapists to which you can go to if you are feeling unwell, but actually group therapists that can uh, help the team to work better and to improve those relationships. Because like therapy yeah, of, yeah it's a kind mm-hmm. of therapy because if you improve the environment within the firm and the relationships it already helps everyone
0: it's like a team building activity it's right? almost
2: like a team building activity yeah, no, I think that's actually
1: like a really good idea I, I can't say much because uh, I don't have the view of, of the company and I have not been in a workplace ever uh, but that sounds really helpful because sometimes You might be okay, like like healthily dealing with your things and stuff. When another person comes into the equation, you have to know how to balance how they um, how they maybe work or how they communicate with you, and so it can be difficult because there are like countless types of people, right, and ways that they work and the way that they function, Mm -hmm. and so someone
2: that can kind of. Create a harmonious workplace uh, would be really helpful. And then if we go to the neurological conditions part of mental health, then it's cl- it clearly lacks support on that. Uh, for example, if we are talking about autistic people in the workplace or people who suffer from ADHD, um, usually um, employers do not seem to understand that they need actual accommodations and not just okay let's impose some boundaries let's respect your time and what if there are some people that simply cannot start working before midday they can't but why don't you do an eight-hour shift where you are more productive from midday to 8 p.m. because there are a lot of people that would be willing to do that um, Right, this dialogue includes some flexibility. Exactly, including some flexibility or understanding that they might need um, some trigger warnings or some, for example, toys. There are a lot of toys uh, for steaming. They are called steaming devices. Uh, And steaming is pretty much just, um, for example, when you start shaking your leg when you are anxious or if you start um, touching your hair that's steaming devices it's pretty much anything that you do to comfort yourself uh, it's a re- pre- uh, repeated behavior that comforts uh, that comforts you and uh, especially um, neurodivergent people which are autistic people people with ADHD and others have those steaming devices very increased and usually need a steaming Um, uh, steaming toys for example uh, I know of some that it's just like squishing toys Mm. and there are some places I've heard stories of some bosses that would take those toys from their employees because it's not um, professional and it's very childish to have a toy in their workplace Mm. yeah again stigma you know, like exactly. Not
0: viewing. And, and sometimes I think even just for hiring, you will have a stigma yeah, upfront, and not not only in the workplace, but already in the yeah, in the might, recruitment. You might feel
1: the need to like not expose that side of you when recruiting and stuff. Yeah, because, yeah. If being afraid. I think something like a, a step that every company should consider that could help a lot of people is if you can't allocate therapists in the workplace itself. To provide a uh, good enough health insurance so that, that covers, so, like yes, yeah, definitely. You know, it's uh, it seems like an easy enough solution. Obviously, like it has complications to it that I'm, I'm not aware of, but it would be like uh, a good step that not only addresses then you know like physical problems, but then the mental ones as well. And, yeah,
0: yeah. True. Uh, We are now reaching the end of today's podcast episodes. And before we say goodbye to you, we would like to take you um, part in our ritual. So I'll ask you to give us a question that you would like to see answered on our next episodes.
2: Okay, so my question for our next guest is, what issue of discrimination do you feel that it's still ignored? looked over or completely um, dismissed as non-existent, and what measures could be taken to raise more awareness about it?
0: So, very, very interesting question. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time and valuable insights. It was a pleasure having you here with us today. Uh, feel free to reach out to us on our social media accounts. You will find us under the name Equality in Business on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and now also on, on YouTube. Looking forward to talking to you in two weeks. And until then, stay healthy and safe.